0: You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. You just got to go out and and express yourself. You just got to get the job done. I'm here to to get the job done. I got
1: y'all. 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Peller. One side, one nil. Move out, shot! Oh my word! We ran around the pitch like Bambi on ice. It is very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, and
2: now
0: your, host, your host,
1: Matt Markstone.
0: Hello and welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, welcome back. Uh, This is episode 79. This is the first episode after the conclusion of the world cup. And uh, there was a part of me last week as, as the weekend approached and as the, as the third and fourth place playoff approached. And as the final approached, that what, how was I going to feel when it was all, all over as a, it's complete neutral in this, uh, not having the US or Italy or Norway uh, being there um, with Saints players having been knocked out early on in the knockout stages. I was looking at, you know, how was I going to feel when all of the football was done and, and how was I going to, to cope? And to tell you the truth, I've watched a lot of football over the past month and, and I enjoyed it. I can't say anything more than that. I I really did enjoy I would say 95% of the matches. I, I think back to that France-Denmark nil-nil draw. That was pretty bad. But um, given the fact that we made it through uh, an entire Saints season uh, under Claude Puel and you know most of one under, under Mauricio Fellegrino, I think I can survive one bad 90-minute spell. So um, anyway, lots and lots of, of good things coming out of the World Cup. But there are plenty of, of podcasts that have covered the World Cup and kind of beat it to death. We're not going to do that here. This week, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the two newest signings uh, that Saints made. And so we will talk with John Punt of the Along Come Norwich podcast and, and of Um uh, The links to that are in the show notes, by the way. Uh, we'll talk with John about Angus Gunn, uh, about Angus's time at the club, about him leaving his hometown club, which is Norwich, uh, going to City and then coming back on loan in the season he had last year uh, and all of that stuff. And so uh, we'll talk with John about that. We'll get some ideas as to what we think he's going to do or what John thinks he's going to do coming into Southampton, what John sees as kind of his, his uh, trajectory or uh, where, he, where he thinks he's going to go in terms of his development and stuff like that. So um, really nice to get some insight. Then after that, we'll talk with Manuel Brewer, host of the Volrouter podcast. And that's a podcast that's done both in German and in English, uh, focused specifically on Borussia Mönchengladbach. There we'll talk about Yannick Vestergaard. We'll talk about his time at the club. Um, kind of the role he played in their defense and in their locker room and maybe what he's going to bring to Saints and maybe where he, also where he'll struggle a little bit uh, coming to the Premier League. So um, anyway, all of that said, uh, let's jump into the interviews. Uh, first up, we'll talk with John Punt. Uh, we'll talk Angus Gunn. We'll talk a little bit about Harrison Reed as well because of course Harrison Reed was on loan at Norwich last year. Uh, and all of this uh, with John Punt of alongcomenorwich.com right after this. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, John Punt from the Along Come Norwich podcast. You can get a ton of stuff from them at alongcomenorwich.com. But we're here mostly uh, to talk about Angus Gunn. Obviously, we we signed uh, the young keeper from Man City, but he was uh, originally at Norwich and was on loan at Norwich last year. So we're here just to get some insight as to uh, kind of kind of how his career is unfolding and, and what we can expect from him um, coming into uh, Saints team, even though we just gave uh, Alex McCarthy uh, a contract extension. So, uh, John, welcome to the show and thanks for taking some time to, to chat with me.
1: No, thanks for having me.
0: Oh, my, my, my pleasure. All right. So like when Ingus was there at the club originally, because this is his hometown club, I, I, mm-hmm. if I'm correct in, in, what, in what I've read. Um Absolutely you know, what, what was it like to get him back from city or were you disappointed to see him go to city or you you kind of just happy to see him kind of move on and move up or what, how, what was the original kind of feeling around him leaving and then coming back on loan?
1: Well, it was an interesting story in terms of how Angus left the club. I mean, he, he originally was on the club's books because his father, Brian, um, was a club legend really, you know, he was a a goalkeeper through the late 1980s and and then early 1990s. And and he was part of the, um, UEFA cup run that we kind of embarked upon. And, And that time in the Premier League when we did really, really well, ended up finishing third in the Premier League. So he had a lot to live up to. Um, And his dad was involved in various roles in the club and kind of commercial manager and involved in the first team in kind of fits and starts. And then Brian eventually became our manager almost just through default that you know there was no one else in the club that, that they were prepared to appoint. And um, they gave him a go. They gave him a go for you know, on a caretaker basis and he ended up winning his first game 4-0. And and so he, he got the reins. And unfortunately he took us down to League One. Angus was still on the books at that time and he was representing England at various youth levels and doing really, really well, and, and talked of really positively um, you know, kind of within Norwich City circles. And then, unfortunately, at that time, um, his dad, Brian, in the first game that we were back in League One, uh, we got beat 7-1 by Colchester United, which was probably one of the lowest points, um, you know, in in the club's history in in terms of how far we'd fallen. And we hadn't been, we'd been a Premier League club, you know, kind of relatively shortly before that. Um, And Brian was sacked. uh, And I think his family relocated back up north. And I think that probably severed some ties between Angus and his family and the club. And so Man City came in and obviously saw that you know he was representing England at various youth levels at that point. They were looking to, I think, bolster their their youth academy, and, and he was seen as someone who was really up and coming. So, yeah, he ended up going to Manchester City, fortunately for Norwich, actually, and we, it's weird how it turns out that um, there was a tribunal that set the fee, and I think, if I'm um, correct in saying so, we've got about a 20% um, sell on clause, So we should have made nice bit of money actually with with this transfer to the saints. Um, so yeah, we're pretty pleased with it.
0: All right. All right. Yeah. And that, that fee is somewhere around 13 and a half million pounds, depending on Mm. add-ons and all that stuff. But I think, I think they snuck a a buyback clause in there, which which kind of upsets me a little bit, but I think they're just looking out for, for them. And, and, you know, you don't win, you don't win the premier league without kind of doing that at least a little bit. So, um, when he came back to you this season, um, I, I, did he meet your expectations in terms of, of a, a first team goalkeeper? I mean, it, it is uh, a lot of he's young, so it's a lot of kind of yeah. a, a weight on his shoulders, especially with his uh, dad's reputation having having been at the club and been uh, a legend as as you mentioned. So, uh did he did he kind of meet your expectations as a as a goalkeeper in the first team?
1: I think we didn't know what to expect to to be honest with you because he'd been at Man City for for that long, really, that, that we didn't know what, you know, what we were really getting in on loan. Um so he smashed our expectations. I mean, a lot of people were saying this is a guy that hadn't played any senior football, no competitive first team games for Manchester City or anyone else on loan until he joined Norwich, and he played all 46 league games. And actually, I mean, I'm not really a student of the Championship. I usually focus on Norwich, but I didn't see a keeper in the Championship that was as complete and as good as Angus. You know, kind of th- throughout the time that I was watching Norwich. So now he he really absolutely smashed our our expectations and it just it felt like he had an instant connection with the fans which probably helped because you know he was a fan um before he kind of joined the academy and and he had a season ticket as a youngster and you know he used to go and watch norwich city every week so it was really nice but no i mean he's he's an absolutely complete keeper and i think kind of going on to the fact that you guys are saying that you've just given um, mccarthy a new contract genuinely I think that he will be your number one throughout most of next season because he's almost flawless, you know, in terms of his capabilities, he's a really, really terrific young goalkeeper.
0: That, I mean, that's super encouraging to hear. And I know, uh, you know, I haven't heard anything negative about him really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that sometimes when you go and talk to the fans, they will, uh, some, they, you will point out the things that maybe need to be worked on. But, um, you know, in terms of what we really struggled is we had Fraser Forrester, uh, our, our goalkeeper, mm-hmm. for the past few seasons, um, and he suffered an injury and then kind of hasn't been the same since then. And he's mm-hmm. been lacking and coming out and kind of claiming crosses and really commanding the box, even though he's, you know, I think he's six four, six five, or six six or something like that. Um, you know, do you do you worry about about uh, Angus maybe not having not being physically able to come out and and command the area in the Premier League?
1: I think he's he's got a fairly slight frame so if you've seen him and I'm sure you have you know it's, this, it's probably um comparing to someone like David De Gea at Manchester United in terms of the fact that he's quite gangly he he's quite skinny but based on the fact that his father was the same kind of build at that age and um his father has filled out significantly since <laughs> then you know he's he's a big lad now is is Brian um I think he'll bulk up. I think, you know, as long as he has the right um, sports science around him, I think he'll be fine. But that was probably one of the things that really impressed me about Angus uh, last season, and I didn't expect him to be able to do, is actually for for a 21-year-old kid, he came in um, to the team. He looked really assured, really calm, but he was bossing senior pros, senior defenders, you know, lads who've played, you know, two, 300 championship games in front of him. And he was bossing them around and he was coming to claim crosses. And there was only one or two games where I saw him get really bullied by, you know, the kind of really rough and tumble championship strikers. So I think there's, there's a little bit to work with there in terms of, um, you know, him physically developing. But actually in terms of him being, a, you know, his, you know, I, I guess him being able to handle the ball properly to his judgment in terms of when, when to come out for crosses, when perhaps to leave it to the defenders that's excellent yeah, so I don't think you've got any worries there at all
0: all right all right that that, that makes me feel good um <laughs> what about what about with the ball at his feet in terms of uh you know being able to play that way is he is he semi comfortable dribbling and and distribution wise or uh, is he yeah. more of a maybe a maybe a shot stopper and and then uh, kind of roll it out to the to the center backs
1: i think he's both um i think he's a, he's an excellent shot stopper um you know and i, I guess a lad with his frame you'd, you'd probably think that's going to be one of his biggest attributes but Probably, again, the one thing that surprised me and it was how good he is with his feet. So technically, he's really, really good. You know, he was spraying. Sometimes they go wrong, but very often he was spraying, you know, 30-yard balls out to the wing or, or you know, kind of playing with his feet a lot. And actually, um, chatting to his dad about that particular situation and his move from Manchester City to Norwich last season, that was a big part of, of why they chose Norwich as his, his next development step, because Pep Guardiola was really keen that Angus gets a lot of exposure um, with the ball at his feet because obviously that's the Manchester City way and and that's the way they want to play is their goalkeepers almost becoming a a sweeper and you've seen that with their their first team keeper last season as well. Mm -hmm. So I genuinely thought that and I was really surprised when he was let let go on a permanent to you guys because I thought he had a future at Manchester City and, and I thought they were kind of blooding him at Norwich with a view to perhaps a, a Premier League loan this season and then he might be competing for the first team but he's great with his feet he's really good at shot And like I say the only tiny thing you could say is physically he needs to fill out a bit
0: sure sure and he's got I mean at, at the age he's had, he's got a lot of time to do that I mean, goalkeepers absolutely I mean, you're probably looking at least 10 years of, of him being uh, available to be a first team keeper uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of guys go on even after that and uh, looking at the coaching staff we have working with our keepers, and you know we have Kelvin Davis on our on our uh, on our coaching roster now, and so mm-hmm. he's going to be surrounded by people who have played at the Premier League level who who I uh, I think can help him out and and maybe maybe work on that that aspect. But I one of the things I'm really I, I'm glad to hear you say this is that he was not afraid to to speak to the defenders and do that because we we lacked that last year. McCarthy did it uh, much better than Forster, but. Um, that would be my, my kind of one thing that I would worry about in terms of, mm. of him being able to come in and, and provide some instruction, especially because our defense as it, as it stands right now, um, is, is fairly young. And although they've, they've played plenty of games cause they were together last year. Um, they, they lack some, some direction sometimes. And if I, I feel if we don't have that from the goalkeeper, then we're going to be, uh, maybe in, in some trouble, but, um, but yeah, but I mean, do you see him, it sounds like there's a there's a chance he could go forward in the England setup as well. Like it sounds like he is he is the real kind of deal. I guess to be
1: cliche yeah. f- about it. Uh, um, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, I think you know, I, I don't think you are being cliche about it. He absolutely is the real deal, and I, I think he will go on definitely to to represent England at a senior level. He was called up actually to the squad. Um, I think it was maybe around March time um, this year. So he was involved with the under 21s. And then one of the senior keepers got injured, and rather than bring in someone else, they, they saw that this was a guy for the future, and they, um, Gareth Southgate brought him in for you know just to be around the squad and do a bit of training. And, and from what I understand, he fitted in really well, and they were pretty impressed with with what he did. But if he carries on as he is, um, because last season you know he was phenomenal, you know, and and really you know kind of like I said to you before, smashed all expectations. Um, yeah, you know, I'd see him being part of the England setup and I really genuinely wouldn't be surprised to see him be part of the England set up if he got a full season of first team football at Southampton this year. Because you look at the, the goalkeepers out there now, you know, the English goalkeepers and, and I think, all right, you know, Butland and Pickford's had a great tournament, but mm. I could see him really easily ousting someone like Nick Pope because, you know, he is that good and and I think he probably will be as good, if not better, than than Jordan Pickford. Um or or Jack Butland. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Well, that's, I mean, it sounds like we have uh, done a good bit of business. Our, our club is, we've criticized them as, as fans uh, over the past few seasons for not uh, making the right decisions and not maybe getting mm. the, the right players in, but it sounds like they are, are back to doing what they've done in, in previous, in previous years. So um, it makes me happy about that. Um, and if I, if I could ask you, you know, you had Harrison Reed on loan last year as well. Mm. Uh, he's come back. Um, he's played really well in in the couple of preseason games. Granted, it's preseason, but um, you know, how did how did you guys feel about about him as a as a player last year uh, at Norwich?
1: I think I like Harrison Reed as a man. Uh, Um, you know, I think he had a great character uh, around the changing room from from what I understand. You know, kind of speaking to a few people around the club, he was really well respected. But you know, when we signed him from you guys, I remember chatting to a couple of Southampton fans um, on social media. And they were kind of saying, look, Harrison Reid's going to be one of the best midfielders in the championship. And it really didn't turn out like that. He's, he struggled to become a mainstay uh, of the midfield. you know. We, and we've got some quite experienced professionals, um, you know, like Alex Tetty, who's had, had a lot of Premier League football. Tom Tribal came in and surprised everyone. He came from German football and he'd had some Bundesliga pedigree. So I think he struggled to... Um, perhaps to, to adapt as quickly as he'd have liked and, and perhaps Southampton and Norwich would have anticipated. But it's strangely enough, um, and I, I noticed in one of your pre-season friendlies he was playing in the centre of the puck, but strangely enough, towards the back end of last season, um, our right back, our club captain, Evo Pinto, got injured and he came in and replaced him for you know what we thought was probably going to be two or three games. And he kept Ivo Pinto out of the side for the rest of the season because he was doing so well at right back. And so I think, I can't really see him featuring for you regularly, you know, as that kind of engine room midfielder, that box to box midfielder, although he is really energetic. But he just looked a little bit sometimes off the pace in terms of his anticipation levels. But I think what you do have is a really, really handy squad player who can fill in in various positions and someone who you could just put on the bench and you could trust him to come on and and just do his job, you know, just do as the manager tells him to do. Um, So I think, you know, it wasn't quite what we expected. Um, but equally, you know, he left and a lot of people, a lot of Norwich fans were hoping that because you guys retained your premier league status that, that we'd be signing him. So I don't know. Um, he's, he's okay. It was a solid six out of 10 from me for last season. All
0: right. Yeah. He, he's been pushing, he wants, you know, consistent football and that's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've talked to Southampton fans about the, the fact that we built a fairly large squad. I think with the anticipation that we would be in, in kind of involved in europe or at least pushing for it and involved in mm-hmm. in you know um the efl cup or the carabao cup whatever it is and the fa cup and and then last year it kind of that run re- didn't really happen and so we mm-hmm. were left with this kind of big squad and nowhere for for people to play and so you, you see these guys go out alone but he did uh fill in at right back we don't really have a, a backup right back right now we have uh, center backs who can play out there um but cedric is of course a uh, on holiday because he went uh, with Portugal to the world cup. But, mm. um, Reed actually played as a, as a wingback in, in one, in one game and he scored his goal from that. And so uh, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the development. I'll take the game time. I don't, I don't care kind of where it is, but, um, mm. I'm glad it, at least I'm glad he was solid for you guys. And I think that's, that's what he's going to be. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'd agree. You did mention before we, we, we were recording that you, you guys did an interview actually with, with Angus's dad, um,
1: yeah and, and it was really interesting actually because um so we did an an hour long interview with with Brian Angus's father um for our podcast the along come Norwich podcast and I'll send you guys a link if any of you the Saints fans are interested um but it was it was really interesting to actually hear about some of Pep Guardiola's training methods and actually what they thought of Angus and what they thought his future might be and and that's why I thought you know that that he would he would stay at Manchester City and probably get a Premier League loan and and like you mentioned before, maybe because you've got that buyback clause that's been inserted in the deal, like it wouldn't surprise me if one day he did go back. Because, I, you know, I'd say it, say it again, but I think he really is destined for the top. And, you know, if he's not England number one at some point in his career, I'll be really, really surprised. So, no, you've got an absolute gem and I think it's good business all round for all the clubs involved.
0: All right. All right. Well, uh, best of luck to you guys as the championship uh, kicks off here in a few weeks. And uh,
1: Yeah, you too.
0: Yeah, appreciate it and uh, appreciate your time, John.
1: No, it's all Matthew.
0: Thank you. And special thanks to John for taking the time to join me once again. You can find more from him at alongcubnorwich and the interview that he did with Brian Gunn, uh, Angus's father. The link is in the show notes. You can go back and listen to that. Um, Brian gets some insight as uh, on Angus and and his development, and also yeah, you get some other things that I think you can only get maybe from a father and. Uh, it was nice to hear the panel on the Along Come Norwich podcast kind of be willing to to offer some criticism, um, very little criticism of Angus because there there wasn't a lot, but uh, they weren't afraid to actually talk to to Angus uh, to to Brian to Angus's father uh, about some of those things, and I I enjoyed the interview. Uh, so take take some time to to listen to that. It's available on SoundCloud and a bunch of other places, but the link to the to SoundCloud is in the show notes. Uh, so go ahead and give that a listen. Uh, and once again, special thanks to John for taking the time to to join me. And uh, in the future, if we have other players on loan, I'd love to get John back on the show and, uh, I don't know, get get his perspective on, on how our players are doing down there. But now it is time to move forward to talk with Manuel Brewer, uh, the host of the Vull podcast. I spoke about it a little bit uh, during the intro. Uh, this podcast is done both in German and and English. And Manuel now lives in London, but for a long time, and he grew up uh, in Gladbach. but now he watches uh, from London and he still does the podcast. And he started doing an English language podcast. Uh, So it was a great honor to be able to talk to him um, and get his ideas on Yannick Vestergaard And and let's go ahead and get to that right now. So once again, this is Manuel Brewer. Uh, He hosts uh, the Vollrouter in English podcast, uh, the Vollrouter Abroad. Uh, And the links to that are in the show notes if you're interested, or if you have a maybe a Borussia Mönchengladbach fan um, in your life, share that with them. Uh, links are down there as well. So here's my conversation with Manuel Brewer, host of the Volrouter Abroad podcast about our newest signing, Yannick Bestergaard. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery podcast, Manuel Brewer, uh, host of the Volrouter podcast, Volrouter Abroad, and panelist on the the podcast. Volrauter- uh, podcast in Germany, and I'm I'm butchering that, and I apologize. Uh, but welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining me to talk a little bit about about our our new signing. Hopefully, uh, we're recording this before he actually is announced, but I think it's coming. So uh, to talk about Vestergaard, but thanks for joining me, and uh, and welcome.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: No, oh, my, my my pleasure. This is uh, it's exciting to to talk about uh, players actually coming instead of everybody leaving. Um, I've been on kind of your end of the, of the of the line before. Um, with lots of our players going so it's nice to to have a, a player coming in that is um you know that we can be excited about it doesn't he doesn't feel like a squad player and we'll we'll, we'll get to all of that so um f- first off can you tell us a little bit about about uh the podcast that you you host and that the, also the one that you're a part of
2: of course. Um, so, yeah, we just basically got a bunch of people that falling in Gladbach for you know, decades, essentially. Um, and, yeah, we actually found ourselves, um, you know, over, over you know, debating football over Twitter. And um, um, one of the people started the podcast in German. And, um, yeah, we've been running this for over five years now. Um, just had our 100th episode. Um, we're recording about, yeah, every two or three weeks. Um so yeah, it's been it's been going steady, and for a couple of years now, I've been also running the spin-off, so to speak, because I'm in the UK. So I've been running the the English language version of um, of the Gladbach podcast. So um, yeah, that's the story. All right, all right,
0: and you know, so you you grew up there, and now you live abroad, and and kind of watching the team from afar has that has that changed your perception of of how things are at all? That being kind of a, a, a distance. Um, uh, viewer, I guess, as and I'm in California, so I'm watching the team from my my team from abroad as well. Does it has it changed how you how you view the team at all?
2: Oh uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I think it, you know, there's a bit of a distance, not only you know, <laughs> um, up, up, literally, but um, there's a, there's also a distance with um, you know the sort of reports or you know going to the games. That, as many times as I want to it, you know, wasn't possible at some point. So um, I think there's a good aspect there as well because um, whenever Gladbach loses, I can just you know switch off you know, basically <laughs> my my computer and that's that's that, right? You know, um, I, yeah, as you mentioned, I grew up in in the city and you know that was far more dramatic if you if you lose and everybody's still just talking about that over the weekend. So um, it's sometimes nice to be able to choose whether or not you want to you know indulge in uh, in football.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess talking about, about Yannick Vestergaard, um, and he's a big dude. I mean, that's, he is what we've been missing, I guess, uh, on, on our, our defense, I think. Um, but he obviously played, played two full seasons for you, uh, made lots of appearances. Um, but I guess for you guys, when, when you got him from Werder Bremen, did he kind of meet all of your expectations as to what you were getting?
2: Um yes I think it was um a really difficult um difficult sort of um boost to fill for him because um we had just lost um or we kept losing really really talented um center backs um so we had um an Austrian defender Martin Strunzel, who was really the, the rock in our defense for years and um he was then uh, you know getting towards the retirement age he's now retired and he has just been outstanding in the last years and um the same can be said for Andreas Christensen who plays now for Chelsea mm-hmm. um so he was a Chelsea loanee for two years um and so he had to go back um there was no way we we're going to keep him because even Chelsea realized how good he was <laughs> um so you know he, he was kind of brought in to replace these kind of players of course expectations were really really high um But, yeah, I mean, he found his, you know, hit the ground running, um, found his feet. And um, he, as you said, he, um, you know, was a regular starter. He made all 34 games in the Bundesliga in the first season. And um, that continued in the second season. And, um, you know, in spring he had a broken, diagnosed with a, you know, broken foot or ankle. And that only stopped him for a week, which sounds like a miracle healing. But actually um, it turned out that it was just some um, strain on a ligament. And um, there was a, you know, small smaller sort of remnants of a broken foot that was, wasn't that detected um, months or even years ago. So actually it was a false diagnosis. So um, that is to say, he's a, he's a, he's a tough nut. So um, he's, in, he, he's he's getting a lot of games under his belt because he um, he's not really injury prone, which I think is always a big plus for a player.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have lots of questions about him just because one of the things that we've lacked defensively is I, I don't want to say experience because we've had Jack Stevens. Who's played now for almost two full seasons. Uh, we have Wesley Hoot who came over from, from Italy. Um, but I think they've failed to adapt to maybe the physicality of the league. Um, they get pushed around, they get bullied by, by center forwards like Romelu Lukaku. And, uh, obviously Lukaku is a, is a, is a big guy and a, and a, and a talented forward. So that, I understand that by saying that maybe, maybe I'm, I'm being harsh, but um, we've mm. seen time and time again, them lose markers or them be out jumped by forwards and uh, not be able to clear balls. And, and I'm really hoping that what we're getting in guard is somebody who can um, establish himself physically in the box uh, on set pieces and, and with crosses. And um, I guess from your perspective, is that something that he can do?
2: Um, I would definitely say so. I mean, you know, he's left, he's left the club now with sort of a mixed bag of emotions from, you know, the, journalists and, and sort of supporters, um I have to say. But um but overall, um he you know ticks some boxes that are that I think you, you just sort of hinted at. So he's always been very um very very physical in his approach. Um and I think the Bundesliga quite often refereeing is a bit soft. So um you know he get a he got a lot or gets a lot of faults called against him where you'd feel there was just sort of you know body strength or you know upper body strengths uh, against the attacker um in that situation. So I think that you know, works better in the Premier League as sort of a style of defending. And, um, I haven't seen many uh, moments or situations or, you know, I can't remember any of them there where he was just, uh, you know, dispossessed by the ball or just the attacker, just, you know, pushing, pushing uh, his way past him. Um, that actually never happens. And he's quite commanding and on set pieces. Um, you know, he was, he scored quite a few goals for Vella Brehm when he was still there. I think also still before that he was at Hoffenheim, um, yeah. scored a few goals there. And for us, um, wasn't as many as his uh, counterpart Ginter on that position but he scored i think it was three goals last season um and definitely he always looks a threat there you know maybe he could have scored a few more but he's definitely a presence and um whenever we played um a really solid deeper defense um he was the one to just head it out you know headed out of a danger zone basically okay. so um that's kind of the package you're getting perfect <laughs> perfect um
0: i, I guess Are there any areas of of his of his game maybe that need that he needs to work on? Like how is he with with the ball at his feet? Can he can he dribble? Can he can he make passes or is he more just kind of head the ball out and kind of that stuff?
2: Yeah, that's 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 an area I was kind of hinting at. Um, you know, where we feel, well, you know, is he you know what, what? What kind of level is he? Is he? Are we going to be sad that he's leaving us? You know, for, for Gladbach, it's good money. Um, whatever the final sort of transfer fee will be, um, seems to be at around 20 million um euros. Um, so um, weaknesses were I, I would say that um he he can be quite erratic at times with the ball. So um you know sort of um being a bit sloppy on the ball. Um, that's sad. He had games where um his passing was you know he would even he would even be a sort of deep-lying playmaker and play these really long cross balls into the, into the wingers that had started. And he actually gave a, you know, a couple of assists that way, not maybe directly, but you know the second last pass in the game uh-huh. um, to, to prepare the goal. So he definitely has that quality. Um, I think what his game mainly is, is missing is um, consistency. Um, and I, I don't really mean the headers or sort of pure defensive work, but sometimes it's the positioning. Um, uh, but I think that's also has to do with how Gladbach Played in the last two years, so you know there was a, a manager going out, coming in, um, trying to play a different formation. Um, when we played in a 4-4-2, um, we looked we looked solid with him. Um, I think uh, the distance between midfield and, and defense was at times really, you know, really too big and stretched. And I think any centre back in the world getting sort of really stretched. Um, defensive midfield, you know, arrangement with with himself or or you know defense is 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 running into trouble because you have to cover so much ground. You get dragged out by the strikers, and whenever that happened with him, he looked a bit you know out of place, out of position, <laughs> obviously, um, because he's so, he's so tall and he's not you know he's not the fastest on the turn. Um, you know, maybe not against the Lukakus of this, world, of this world, as you mentioned, but you know, there's a lot of fast wingers or, or rather small strikers also in the Bundesliga. And of course, then he looks a bit, um, you know, that you know he looks a bit, you know, awkward in these situations. Mm-hmm. But I think when your defensive approach is settled and when you have a clear idea, um, he, he, you know, he he looks very solid um, in, in the center, the central defender position because he knows how the players around him are positioning, so he doesn't get dragged out too much. Okay. Now,
0: at times we played a back four. It looks like Mark Hughes is is kind of favoring this back three system right now. Um, I think Vestergaard is left footed, and I have a feeling he may be slotted in on the left, which puts him in competition with with Wesley Hood, our, our signing from last season. But um, do you think he'll be comfortable in a three? I'm not sure if Gladbach usually play a a, a back four or a back three or a back five or or, or how you guys usually line up. Yeah,
2: <clears throat> it's a it's a, it's a very valid question because that's also what we're wondering at the moment. Um, uh, what's going to be next season? There are signs now that I mean this would be obviously without Vesga that we are s- switching to um, you know maybe a four three three from traditionally it had been a four four two. That said, our, our current manager he he tried around he played around including Vesga to to pay uh, a back three. So I think the the system that. Hughes was trying, as he said, you know, towards the end of the season with a, you know, back three, uh, lineup, you know, sort of four more defensive minded midfielders in front of it. That's something he would be familiar with. Um, and I don't see necessarily a problem, um, with a back three per se, because he would, he would, um, I don't know if you would put him on the, on the, you know, left, left back three position or in a central position. Okay. Um, simply because he's so tall and it's just, you know, the one thing to do if they pl- try to play it over the defenders when they play a high line, um, you want him to be in the center there because you know he would just be you know sort of like a magnet you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting onto getting onto all these balls so um whenever whenever there was a back three he would he would play the central position and we had a couple of um center backs or or you know wingers that would then sort of tuck in and play the the left position in the back three um but he's definitely used to um you know changing the formation in the back all right all
0: right um and and I'm not sure how how kind of much you've watched him play um kind of for the, for the national team, Uh, he didn't, he didn't get, make any appearances in the world cup. He was there. Um, but, but do you see him as being that international caliber player, uh, that, that at some point he will start for, for that team? Or do you think he is, uh, is he, is he kind of topping out with us, uh, going to, um, I'm going to get in trouble with my own listeners probably, but essentially we're, we're Mm -hmm. fighting to be a mid table team. Uh, currently, is this is this the ceiling for him, or do you think he can push on a little bit more?
2: Um, I think it really much depends on how he how he settles in the, in the league, right? Um, the the Premier League is quite peculiar. I mean, so is so is the Bundesliga. One could argue, but. You know the, the, how the player, the, you know how their style adapts to the league is really sometimes it's really hard to, to guess. You know I, yeah. um, I remember talking to you know players from other or fans from other clubs like you know friends of mine are Liverpool supporters and you know they was going on about the signings they made from the Bundesliga and some of them worked brilliantly others worked not at all and it's almost it's really difficult to predict and um, if if worked you know works on his um, positioning whenever he's high up the pitch. And works on his consistency, which I guess he he 'll need for the Premier League because it's you know there's such a high intensity that you can 't really slack off a, a, every other week right right um then if, if he's sort of stabilized that and he now has he has enough caps on his well, he played for you know three uh, three bigger clubs in Germany, or at least you know three clubs that are really established in the Bundesliga, so um he has the experience now, and he should really capitalize on that, and I think um i don't think he's going to be become one of Europe's best defenders. Um but that said, um I haven't seen him play much for, for a national team. But um what I read was that a lot of people were surprised that he wasn't uh, ch- you know, second choice or, or the first um, you know, sub on choice um when you know when they were playing at the tournament at the the World Cup now. Um and they had of course injury problems in the back so, so at the back position. So um you know it it he should have he should have been a regular starter. Um that's what, you know, sort of the observers of the team said so you know and overall i think he has he has just about international uh format but not i don't think he's he's gone on to be world class one day um we've seen that with as i mentioned um andreas christensen who is who is before at the club was at chelsea um i think he really sh- showed his potential in the last uh, couple of years at chelsea and at gladbach yeah um but that i mean i might be completely wrong you know if if westergaard finds we did a rhythm at Southampton, which I really wish he'll do, um, you know, then um, I think he could just be, you know, um, fantastic for you guys because so many, so many games and we've seen that at the World Cup are decided now on set pieces Mm -hmm. and um, he's, he's always been a weapon for us in in these, in these kind of situations. You know, not necessarily only scoring but just dragging the defenders as, as being a, being a defender himself, dragging them along at a corner kick or a free kick, you know, because you have to watch that guy. He's like, right. You know two meters six foot seven, so it's just uh, yeah <laughs> a force to be reckoned with.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, we, we're we're definitely missing that presence and and uh you know we were we were talking just a couple of weeks ago on um, you know which defender's going to make way for him if, if we get this new guy in and and we were looking, we were linked with Marlon Santos from from Barcelona, but he's not he's not Vestergaard. he's not built the same way, and this seems to be more along the lines of what we what we want. Um, you know, we, we, we lost Van Dyke, we lost Jose Font, we lost, um, you know, Toby Alderweireld, we had these, these fantastic defenders kind of coming through for a long time and, and we were, we're lacking, um, just the stability and just the ability just to defend, you know? And so, uh, I, I'm hoping that, uh, he comes in and slots in well and, and, and can do that. Um, you did mention, um, kind of maybe his lack of pace, um. I have one specific question. Is he as slow as Murder Sacker? Like, it, are they the same in, in terms of pace? Or, or is that just people, uh, other fans just telling us that um, because they, I mean. they want to be mean? <laughs>
2: uh, rest assured, he's not It's not that bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: all right. All right. That, that makes me yeah, happy.
2: Yeah. No, it's not. It's really. And, and I, you know, I was also saying that sometimes his passing skills can be erratic, but that's sad. Um, Gladbach is one of the few clubs in the Bundesliga nowadays really looking into, you know, getting getting a decent possession game on and, you know, having the ball most of the time. So um, he gets a lot of touches during the game. So, and again, the vast majority of the time he's just comfortable with it. You know, we're not talking about somebody who's like panicking as soon as he got the ball. So sure. um, it's complaining on I guess quite a high level. Okay.
0: All right. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with fans pans being a little critical <laughs> yeah. as long as we can get the balanced view uh, out yeah. there as well. Um I don't know, is there anything else that you'd like to add about about him or about, about your show or about uh Gladbach in general?
2: Well, I just think um it's 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 a really cool thing that um I, I actually quite like it when um being in the UK when, you know, German players or players from the Bundesliga are signing for um for English clubs for that matter. Um I think it's just really interesting. I mean obviously you signed also um Heubach and um it's just right. it's just always fun to see sort of how, as I was saying earlier, that how these players develop, you know. Um the De Bruyne of these world, you know, you you know, he he's done, fun, you know, he was just fantastic at um, uh, at Wolfsburg, and you know, came into to City, and it just worked. Whereas other players, um, it it doesn't. So I, I just really hope that um, it it you know, it's gonna be a um, a really success success story for um for Westergaard and for Southampton there.
0: Yeah, and. I think it's gonna be nice for him having Hoyberg there, having somebody who has already made that exact same, well, not the exact same, but a similar transition from the Bundesliga over and also having the, uh, on the fringes of the, of the Denmark squad, um, you know, having that in common as well. So hopefully, uh, he'll slot in there and, and feel comfortable in the locker room. And, um, it looks like we have a young, you know, we're getting quite a few transfers in this, this summer. So it's, it, that's nice, but it, we have a, a locker room that's fairly well established and, Uh, I think we're going to have some leadership turnover in there. There's, there's rumors of of some of the veteran guys kind of moving out, but I think, I think it'll be fine. And I think, um, you know, people are going to notice him when he walks in because he's going to be the biggest guy there. So, uh, it'll be, Mm -hmm. it'll be nice.
2: That is a, you know, it's an interesting aspect to maybe, you know, finish on that. It's, it's, um, so, actually, he was also brought in to maybe take a sort of leading, you know, leader role at, at Gladbach. As I said, um, some of the really, I mean, Christensen is really young, but Stransel was, was, you know, in mid 30s when he left the club. Um, and he had been a leader in and off the sort of the, the pitch. And Vestergaard, with, you know, having had lots of caps in Germany, he was brought in to, to, you know, be, you know, that voice sort of in the, you know, in the locker room, as you said. Um, and maybe he was still missing a little bit of that, but I think Danish players really are, are just um Denmark in, in general they're really looking the football is really you know watched the the the, the Premier League is watched a lot there and it's just focus is really on 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 football and in England so i think maybe now he's really in the you know so limelight for um you know for also the national team um and i think maybe also he sees that as a chance to you know step it up a little bit more and be uh, you know that sort of uh, you know in his prime age he's you know 25 and really take the lead uh, for for uh, you know, Southampton's defense. All
0: right, all right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm I was already excited before you know we we talked, but now I am, I am definitely looking forward to him coming in, and um you know all everybody's coming back from China. They're they're on they're coming back from their first kind of preseason uh, training camp, and so, uh everybody should be kind of getting back into it later this week. So hopefully he will be a, a part of that coming up, and uh, maybe he might still be on holiday because of the uh, the World Cup exploits, but we'll we'll see. So. Um, Manuel, I just want to say thank you uh, for sharing your time with me. I know it's, uh, it's late over there, um, but uh, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your insight.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks so much
0: for having me. It was great fun. All right. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to John Punt of the Along Come Norwich podcast and alongcomenorwich.com and Emmanuel Brewer of the Bull Router podcast. Uh, You can check them out. There's more from them. And don't forget about the interview with Brian Gunn uh, on the Along Come Norwich podcast. That link is also in the show notes get in touch with this show on Twitter at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y. We're on Instagram by the same name. Uh, the Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You can always email the show at southamptondelivery at gmail.com. If you submit questions to the show, you can do so anytime by using the hashtag SFC Del, uh, and we'll do our best to get them on the show. Thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, maybe you're new to the show, you can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, or wherever else that you listen to podcasts. If you have questions about that, send me a DM uh, in any of the ways previously mentioned, and I'll do my best to help you out. Be sure to visit our partner, the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, for all your Southampton news and needs, be sure to visit the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. The links are in the show notes. The logo for this show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For all your match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. The music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. The end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. Links to all of those are in the show notes, so don't hesitate to click on them if you feel the need. As always, I truly appreciate you listening. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you have, please consider leaving a review on iTunes does help spread the show to new listeners and you can do your part also by spreading the show manually by just sharing the episode link or uh, the twitter handle or the instagram feed with those of your friends who are saints fans so uh, anything you do there would be much appreciated Uh, that's it for now but until next time remember that together we march on